0: You've heard his voice, but have you really heard from him? Well, now you're gonna. This week, Tournament Director from the Bassmaster opens, Chris Bowes, on...
1: I'm Bob Cobb from the Bassmaster. Welcome to Mercer.
0: Welcome back one, welcome back all. Hard to believe it is the last week in October. Where does the time go? Well, let's not waste any more time, and let's jump right into it. This week, and on this podcast, week after week, really my goal is to try and give you guys um, a different side of somebody that you may have seen, or different interviews that you don't get to see. And this is a guy you see a lot of, but you don't get to hear a lot about himself personally. Um... He does an amazing job. The amount of anglers that he deals with on a weekly basis is insane. And this is, you know, you wonder how I come up with these guests. Well, thank you guys for being the program director of this particular program. Because a bunch of you guys have said, hey, why not have Chris on? And that's exactly what we're going to do. So this week, I guess it's MC and the MC. Because I'm being joined by Bassmaster Opens Tournament Director, And Bassmaster opens MC, the one and only Chris Bowes. Chris Bowes, the man behind the voice. I mean, you have the job. I mean, a lot of times people will say, you know, I'm the MC of Bass, but I'm going to tell you, the the hardest working MC of Bass is right there. I mean, if if the thought of what you do every week at the opens uh, makes me want to lay in the fetal position. How many people were the most amount of anglers you've MC'd this past season?
1: This past season, um, gosh, I'm sure – I know at Kissimmee – I'm sorry, at Harris Jane, the opening event was probably our fullest field. We had, you know, full field of pros and co-anglers, so 450 anglers. There weren't too many zeros. I think it was about 418, something like that.
0: You're a sick, sick man. How do you – I mean, people wonder how I stay as jacked up as I do through 100 elites. I mean, 100 elites is, is a walk in the park compared to what you do – but you don't just do that. I mean, you're tournament director. You're running the whole thing. So really, it's it's just dawning on me that I probably shouldn't be interviewing you because maybe this is going to be a telltale sign to our bosses that I don't work as hard as I
1: do. No, no, not at all, Dave. You do a fantastic, fantastic job. And, and, I, and I appreciate, you know, the job you do. And and I don't even hold myself in the same regards as you and, and some of the other greats that have come through. You know, I when I started 18 years ago, Fishburn was the MC? i mean so i've seen a few come and go and and i think you do a fantastic job i wouldn't i wouldn't want to trade spots with you at all i mean you're 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 the voice of bass i just you know i just try to have fun and and hopefully the anglers have fun with it as well and i know in my mind that these anglers a lot of them they're fishing the biggest tournament of their life when they're on that bass stage and and I want to treat them with the respect and, and give them the platform. You know, it's been a little odd the last year and a half, uh, two years with COVID, because we've changed some of our interview, you know, processes yeah. and things like that, really kind of just um paring it down to inter- only interviewing on, on Saturday on, on stage. Uh hopefully I actually started to bring some of that back in a night, and then we had this little uptick again. So I kind of backed off. I said, let's let's just, we, we, we've had a really successful 2021 season. We had just the one cancellation was, which was not COVID related yeah. it was just strictly because of the flooding at Smith Lake. I said, let's not, you know, let's not push our luck. Let's go back and, and um, you know, we went, we went back to kind of restricting interviews and things. So so that's made the the weigh-ins flow a lot, a lot smoother actually, or, or a lot um, expedited them. Um, so we don't have quite the buildups and stuff. Um, but yeah, I mean, I, I just try to make the the, the anglers uh, feel like the experience is a positive experience for them. Yeah, I'm back more and more. I mean, I've
0: talked about it on a bunch of podcasts, and I know anglers have talked about it. But finally, I, I'm talking to the person that had to deal with it on a podcast. How much of a nightmare! And I know everybody has had their COVID stuff to deal with, but I could only imagine planning events and running events during this time. It, it must have been un. Foreseen territory, you, you know what I mean. Even yeah. for someone like yourself that's been doing it for as long as you have,
1: yeah. I mean, we're we're certainly used to, you know. I've had hurricanes impact <laughs> events over the years where we've had a cancel. Um, you know, before my time, we had things like 9-11 which were you know obviously a very unfortunate situation. And Bass, you know, in my opinion, yeah. did the right thing and and just kind of suspended events uh, because they were literally in the middle of an event at Thousand Islands um, when that happened. So there's been kind of those one-off situations where you got to prepare, but when you just have you know <laughs> half a dozen, dozen events basically canceled, boom, 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 um, yeah, it's got challenges. But you know we have a great group at Bass, and everybody, every department uh, from the media folks trying to get the messaging out there um, to to certainly folks like Eric Lopez, who you know very well, you know from an event standpoint everyone just kind of rallies um, and, and we're fortunate we have a lot of experience uh, at the company right now so everybody just kind of rallies it makes it happen and you know it's it's kind of weird because I was looking at you know I talked I was talking earlier with you about registration for the 2022 opens just just right around the corner and in, in basically about five days uh, well no a week a week from today actually um, we'll start our, our, our early entries for our anglers that had success last year and then. Um, a week later, we'll, we'll open it up to, to Bass uh, members and uh, Bass Life members and Nation, Bass Nation members. But uh, I was kind of thinking about it today. and I'm like, last year, you know, we were still running events all the way up. Yeah. Gosh, it seemed like almost to Christmas time. And then we turn around, you know, we got to do the registration. So we've really had we really haven't had an off season for two years, in my opinion.
0: No, no. I mean, it was back-to-back seasons. I mean, the first season got pushed back, and then, and then even this season, I'm sure the opens was similar to the elites, where it almost everything got pushed forward just in case things had to. It, it was that the same with the opens? You know, I know in yeah, the I mean, elites, we're
1: always, we're always trying to plan for that. We're um, the opens are typically a little bit backloaded into the fall, yeah, um, because just because of scheduling. I mean, we have a lot of events. Uh, uh, certainly the lead events uh, you know are a little bit more spring early summer loaded um, and, and we want our anglers to have the ability to especially our lead anglers they are you know they're our premier customer we want them to have the ability to fish not only the bass master elite series but fish the open so we try to schedule them accordingly so that there's that opportunity um, so we typically are a little bit more backloaded but uh, yeah, I mean, just just push. We last year we had a taken already backloaded schedule with the opens and push a lot of those spring events in between those, And I mean, it just was one right after the other. It was crazy. But uh, again, just just fortunate, you know, to have a great staff and, and great group of folks at Bass that, that you know make it happen. They it's, they just have a whatever it takes mentality.
0: It's a great team and, and uh, it's a great team to be part of and I always use the analogy I mean my gig my job it, it literally is a dream it's the job I dreamed of when I was a little kid What's your history you know was bass something growing up that you were like man I I, I want to work with them or I want to is that that's going to be part of me or
1: was it just somehow Chris Bowes ended up at Bass So so I've always had a passion for the outdoors I was a uh, from the time I was a small child, I was carrying a fishing rod. I, I, I got a lot of pictures around here, me with, uh, with you know the shorty shorts from the from the '70s on, uh, carrying a fishing pole. And uh, you need and, to bring and,
0: those and, back, by the way. Yeah, I think you're the I, guy who
1: could bring them back. It, uh, <laughs> yeah, it, it uh, always been a passion. Not only fishing, but I, I was a big duck hunter back in the day, and and I love trapping. I, I, I actually. Uh, As I got older, um, I actually, I I was working at a restaurant, Ground Round. Some of you from up in the Northeast are probably familiar with that chain. And I'd actually take a three months leave of absence to just uh, trap full time in the fall. Did that for a couple of years. And then uh, in the eighties, the the, uh, market fell flat on its face and and really has never come back. Um, So I decided, well, this is probably not a good career path. (laughs) Um, so I went to college, uh, SUNY Cobleskill and got a degree in fisheries and wildlife management from, uh, from SUNY Cobleskill, got out and, uh, had these great visions of, um, uh, moving to Montana and do creole studies and things like that, which is really a typical entry yeah. level, um, position for, for someone coming in, coming out of, out of school with a fisheries and wildlife management degree. Um, uh, but I met my, my wife and, um. She wasn't really too keen on living in a cabin and getting a hundred dollar bill a week which is basically what a lot of those jobs are yeah so i kind of uh, i pinned a little bit with um a nuisance wildlife business first for several years um where i basically would remove animals uh kind of parlayed that trapping experience into something that was a little bit more profitable That since the fur market had had really crashed so bad so yeah I, that for a couple years and then i started having kids it got really hard it was like kind of a 24 7 thing and eventually i ended up getting a job uh doing purchasing for carrier corporation air conditioner so so now i take a complete left turn and go into the uh manufacturing business and uh was buying parts and um i met some i met a, a gentleman along the way dick sessions great friend unfortunately he passed uh several several years ago and and i knew about a, a club called salt city bass masters that it was in syracuse new york and they, they have pretty good history with bass and and um if you all you all know barbell we had a lot probably a lot of people you know watching this podcast are, are familiar with bob Barb. she's a she's yeah. a salt city member um i got involved with them in in the their, their early mid 90s and uh started fishing my boys were getting a little bit older but i wasn't leaving two babies with my wife so i could you know, go out and kind of dabble on, on Saturdays and Sundays, tournament fish. And I had moderate success. I certainly was not close to being an elite angler, or even probably an opens angler, but you know, I had some moderate success. And, um, I think maybe, uh, Mike Cassano, who was the club president at the time, who later went on to be the New York state Bass nation president. Um, he, uh, he asked me, you know, they still to this day and back then even, um, it's always hard to find good officers. For some reason, people really like to complain about stuff, but they don't really like to get involved and, yeah. and change it. So um, he saw an opportunity, he said, you know, we think you'd be a really good fit to be the tournament director um, for Salt City, which seems like a small thing, but this club was one of the sec- I think it was at the time the second biggest in the country. We had 80 members. We cap- We had a cap it at 80 because, and we had a huge waiting list because, you know, when you start to get more than 80 people in a club, it, it really starts to be a-, a lot of work, you know? Yeah. And so just in the interest of, of, of you know, being able to really take care and service the, the members that, that we had, we, we capped it and, and things were really going well. We, we had, you know, the club was growing, everything was really good. And then um, Bass and, and Chuck Harbin, who, you know, decided to show up for the first time ever in Syracuse, New York, on an Ida Lake with, with an open. And, and Mike Cassano was, of course, a lot of times they'll contact a local president for volunteers. Yeah. I familiar with that. So. Uh, They contacted Mike Cassano and and said, you know, you're the club, you're the president of Salt City. We know you're a big club. We're hoping you can have some volunteers and and we want you to be the volunteer coordinator. And he said, I'd love to, he said, but uh, unfortunately I'm fishing the event and I can't be the volunteer coordinator and be fishing the event. So he reached out to me and I, I took that role as a volunteer coordinator, worked with Chuck um and you know back in that day Pooley was there I you <laughs> probably remember Pooley yeah. and, and a lot of the old timers and um things went really well um Art Ferguson I believe won the event um it was shortened to two days because believe it or not the weather on a night the, the, the weather can get nasty from time to time the end <laughs> of no the the first day um we had a few boats that had some issues to the and even um I think it was the I think it was the town of Cleveland, which is on the north shore of, of the lake. Um, they had gotten a new boat, like an airboat type thing, yeah. rescue. It was mainly to be used for ice rescues because obviously, Oneida, you're from yeah. up north. You know, Anida is a very, very popular ice fishing destination. Well, in their great wisdom, and I and I, I'm sorry, hopefully none of them are listening or see this <laughs> podcast. They decided to take this 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 airboat, which was really an inflatable airboat, out to do a boat rescue. In six foot waves, and and that didn't really end and so well so, so it was kind of an interesting event weather-wise I guess maybe I should have um realized at that point what I was, what I was future, you know going to get into in the future but uh anyhow we close the books on that event it goes well art wins um about I don't know about a year later I guess uh, I'm active in the New York State Bass nation I'm active in the club so I'm a perusing you know, the message boards and things like that. And Wayne Tomasi, who was the New York Bass Nation president at that time, posted a post that Bass was hiring a tournament director. Well, I'm working at Carrier and and people in Syracuse probably know that, you know, Carrier has phased out probably four or 5,000 jobs out of that facility. It went from being a huge manufacturing facility to basically just an R and D facility and, and my job, because I was really heavily involved with equipment, purchasing um, um, motors and things like that for the equipment, uh, I kind of saw writing on the wall that, you know, this is probably going to go away soon. And so I said, what the heck? Let's give it a shot. I got a fisheries wildlife degree. I I know Chuck Harbin. You know, I worked with some of the people there. I sent in my resume. Next thing you know, of course, we were owned by ESPN at the time. Next thing I know, I'm flying down to uh, Montgomery. Bass was in Montgomery at the time, and I'm interviewing with... The one and only Trip Weldon and, and Bruce Mathis, who was the event director, um, they, they interviewed me. And um, I guess about a week later, they offered me the job. Well,
0: what was an interview with Trip like? Because I mean, I worked with Trip for a long time, but I could only imagine how int- he, he didn't actually interview me uh, for the position, but I could imagine what? it'd be an intimidating
1: interview for some reason. You know, it, it was a little, obviously he's iconic with, you know, with Bass in the, in the industry. And, uh, you know, I didn't, I didn't know him personally. I had a relationship with Chuck, which made me feel good because yeah. I, I had an idea if I'd gotten this far in the process, Chuck wasn't saying I was a bad fit, you know, then are yeah. not going to fly me down. So I felt like, you know, there was a real opportunity. Um, so I was kind of calm. It, it's funny you talk about dream job at the time you know we were we were owned by ESPN and ESPN had a um, and you may know being in the industry you're in you know your your field um, they had a, a thing called dream job where they would actually have people that wanted to become on-air talent and 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 you know they would do, it was kind of like a game show type yeah. it was kind of one of the original reality type things i guess you know and, and so I was able when I came down, I, I basically used that and said, you know, like the show on ESPN, this is like my dream job. And and they that uh, Bruce Mathis always told me after that 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 was really a, a, a great line, and that that may have been the one that put me over the top. <laughs> I guess I don't know. But, uh, <laughs> yeah, it, you know, it's it has been an interesting uh, run. I mean, I, I it's uh, you know, it's a it's a great job. It really is. I mean, it, it's a lot of fun. You get to work with. There's not people that have more passion for anything in life than competitive bass anglers do to catch that next fish.
0: Yeah, yeah. Isn't it amazing how like little things, and I find this in my own life, like little things that pop into your head that you almost want to write off. Like, no, I'm not going to compare this to the dream job thing or whatever. Uh-huh. But you did, and that was the thing that 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 really sold that person. And really, you know, I think in life that – it's often that, you know what I mean? Taking that yeah. risk that, that pays off.
1: Yeah. I mean, it was and, and my wife, and my two boys, I got to thank them because, you know, we moved from, from Syracuse, New York to Montgomery, Alabama. And, and, you know, that's a big change. They, they, they lost all their friends. They had to go to new schools. Um, you know, I honestly, I, I knew at the time that we were going to probably end up in central Florida, which was, was good for me. I have family that live in Bradington area my mom and my sister mm-hmm. Um, so we, there was kind of a plan, but they still took a leap of faith uh, with me. And, and here we are 18 years later and uh, still going strong. Hopefully, maybe another 18. <laughs> I, I
0: I would think so. I mean, and if anything about the Opens that has happened the last number of years, it's I mean, the Opens have always been important, but it seems like it got a lot more important just simply because of everything that happened outside of the Opens and anglers and the the immense demand for anglers to get to the elite series. That's what it feels like to me. Does it feel like that to you or do they just feel the same?
1: Yeah, I think um, I I definitely think the competition is, is more intense right now. Uh, It's always been great. I mean, it's always had locals and and other tour pros and elite anglers. And, and, you know, it's always had that, but definitely seems like it's amped up and, and elevated a little bit. And I, you know, I think a huge factor, and I get, I got to give a big shout out to, to Hank Weldon and John Stewart for the job they've done with the college program. These college kids are darn good. Yeah. And they, you know, they, they come, they come to play. I mean, you, you look, we've got two former, um, uh, college champions that have qualified for the 2022 yeah. Jacob, Jacob Faust and Cody Hoff. And, and literally, uh, Uh, John Garrett could not have gotten any closer without one one point. Yeah, yeah. So, so, I mean, that's, that's, you know, two in and and a third that was right there. I mean, couldn't get any closer. I mean, that just speaks volumes for the, for the, for the job that that, that program is doing and and building these, these anglers. And, um, you know, those are just champions. And then you got Alex Redwine and John Kelly who qualified out of the North. They both have college experience. So, Really, I guess you could say as many of the qualifiers have college experience that, that don't, and I think that's a great, great thing. That that really speaks volumes. When you think of how few,
0: I mean, how many college anglers has Bass sent to the classic now? I'm I'm gonna go out
1: on a limb and say maybe eight, seven or eight. Yeah. Tops. Yeah, since they since the champ, since the college champ been going, yeah, it's probably about that.
0: So there's only eight of them, and then there's only what uh 13 qualifiers through the Opens every year. It's 12 and then one through the na- through
1: the uh, nation.
0: Okay, so 12 That's qualifiers and to have right. two of them and there's you know what I mean that shows just how incredible yeah. that program why do you think it's so good? I mean my thought process is it because it, the anglers get to fix like in the Opens and in the elites they have to make the mistake before they fix it. In other sports like football whatever, you know they they'll they've coaches that tell them how to fix things before they go wrong. I think that they're, that's the big reason that those anglers so prepared because you can't get there anymore and be like, yeah, just don't drop shot. I'm not a drop shot or I'm not a
1: whatever. Because I think, yeah, I think, I think your point about the coaches probably there's just something to do that, you know, something to say, if you look, you know Bethel and Brian have you know they they definitely see, yeah and, and and they have great coaches that uh really really you know work hard at their you know at with their anglers and and honing in their skills and i'm not i'm not trying to discount all the other coaches but uh and i'm sure there's a lot to do do a great great job and and um you know and maybe they get it maybe because of their pedigree so to speak they get a maybe a little bit more advanced uh angler coming coming in too so so they may have a slight you know kind of like the duke basketball deal you know coach k you know he he, (laughs) he, he, he's not i mean he's a great coach but he's not necessarily developing the talent the talent's already there he's just kind of honing it in a little bit so um maybe there's some of that but i i just think you know, getting the experience in, in, bigger tournaments with larger number of anglers, um, you know, through the black bass platforms and, um, I, and, and then, and then moving up into the opens, I think they're really ready. I mean, we don't, that's the one thing we really try to do at bass. I mean, some of the rules will change here and there, but really, you know, from the takeoff to the weigh in, you know, there may be a few more banners flying at the elite yeah. series and, you know, we've got the great Dave Mercer there doing the MC, and but you know, overall the, the basic structure of the event is very consistent along all the platforms. And what I like to think by doing that is, when an, an angler has enough to adjust adjust for when they move from you know higher levels of competition, we can take that element, make that seem very seamless for them. For that those anglers. You know that's a good thing. It's one one less thing for them to have to worry about. They're they're familiar with lining up in single file, having their navigational lights on, the livels open, and going through that takeoff process that they've been doing since you know they've been in high school. You know if they fish the junior high school program. So, yeah,
0: it's really when you see it, and I and I feel like we're seeing it pay off in a big way in the elites when you see them come and and all of us. You know, it used to be somebody you have to fish a few years before you even really heard of them um yeah. and now you know it, there's it's amazing the anglers that are that are their presence is felt as as soon as they come on the elite series um it, it definitely does seem like anglers are are getting much more prepared and and uh and are all ready for it in the, in yeah. the past
1: i feel like they had to grow into it yeah yeah no no i agree uh it, the the development they're getting at, at, at the high school through college level to prepare them for fishing the opens is is really great. And I think I think that's probably um as far as the anglers, that's the biggest change that I've seen over the years. Because obviously we didn't have those programs back yeah. when I started.
0: Yeah. Uh, well one thing uh, did did you agree with those programs when they first started? Just curious because I, I mean I'm I've yeah, openly no, said that great. I told I Jerry never, it was crazy. I was
1: I was never an naysayer on on those. those I, I think they were super important, and uh, I think they're important not only for our 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 sport to to continue to feed in into it, but I think it's important for our sponsors and 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 all the best supporters to know, you know, that we're grooming a next next group yeah. to, come, to come in and and be their customers i mean that's that's what it's about for them
0: well and it's smart for us too as a business if you look at it i mean you want to have the best prepared pros possible and, and if you look at what happened the last number of years i can honestly say that it probably couldn't have happened at a better time in our sport yeah, you know just because the group that came in was that prepared and that ready Speaking of prepared and ready, I'm going to get asked this in the next few months. Every once in a while, they like to throw this at a guy like me on Bass Live. And they say, who's going to be our rookie of the year next year in the elite? So I figured, who better than the oh, guy that wants to make boy. the elite? And, and, and I know you guys don't like to pick one because that's going to besmirch yeah. the others. So I'll let you pick it. I pick know pick. who's
1: not. Mike Iconale. If he picks of course. <laughs> <laughs> I think his winnings are probably are over the threshold, right? He, he will not uh, be the rookie of the race. That would be so Josh awesome. Douglas. I mean, I got to guess, Josh is probably over the threshold. We need to look at that. I I don't think we have since he qualified. Probably somebody has a bass, you know, it's yeah. $500,000 in, in combined bass, Um, you know. Earnings. Yeah, the major league fishing. Yeah. Whatever, whatever you want to um, call it. Um, I don't know. I mean, Josh is a seasoned vet, So, I mean, if he's, if he's, um, you know, able to be part of that, you know, he, he's a real, real threat. uh oh, I'm just kind of, I'm looking, I'm, I'm cheating. And, uh, you know, these the Japanese guys. I mean, I, I've heard a lot about Dice Kaoki from Sego, who you know. yeah Um, and he says that he is probably the you know, premier angler in the Japanese market right now. So that's a, that's great to have him involved with the elite series. I guess he's won several, um, several of the Japanese uh, yeah. classics and, yeah. and a lot of success and, and clearly, I mean, from the season he had here fishing all nine opens. I mean, he's, he's ready to compete, but uh, if I'm just going to pick one, I don't know. Cody Hoff. He's strong too. Oh, I don't know. So he's got some major wins though. He might be over the threshold too, but probably not. I think Cody Hoff, if, if he's eligible, would be my pick.
0: Yeah. I mean, it's been amazing watching him and Fouts actually, you know, both of them, I yeah. mean, you want to talk about, they got a great opportunity to go to the classic as a collegiate angler. And man, as soon as they went to the opens, their presence has been felt, uh, In a big way. I mean, they really, it's, it it is amazing to me to watch that happen. When you see somebody like a Josh Douglas make the elites and you know how many years he's been working for it and how close he's come, that's got to feel a little, a special feeling for you or or no, they're all the same. Oh, heck
1: yeah. I mean, Josh and I go way back. I mean, he, uh, you know, he is one of the best guys out there, and he has been such a good bass supporter over the years um, and, and just trying hard. And, and, and uh, he's been so close so many times. That's why I know a guy. That's why I'm comfortable, not only because of his tour level experience, but because he, uh, you know, he, he's had so many successful years. I mean, you know, that's why I, I always worry about the qualifier that's, you know, maybe tried a few times and had those kind of fifties and, and less, you know, and, and yeah. lower in the anger of the year. And then they, they have a, a, a couple of good events and then they qualify and you're kind of like, you know, is this guy really, this person really ready to, to, to hit the, the elite series? And, and you never know, you know, I mean, some, some I've had questions about that have come in and done, done absolutely fine and others, you know, it's like, I'm not all that surprised. It's unfortunate. Uh, so I really, I, I do try to tell, I remember, uh, uh, an angler that was lead angler Randall Tharp. Uh, he, he qualified three, three times before he yeah. uh, actually took it because it, and he told me one time, he said, I just really wanted to know before I made that financial commitment, he said, I didn't want to just, you know, qualify one time and, and then think I'm all that, you know, and, at the time, Randall was was pretty well known. He was starting yeah. to establish himself on the FLW tour, but he wasn't, you know, he wasn't the Randall Sharp that we know today. And uh and he waited till he and and sometimes I, I, I do encourage anglers to, you know, at least qualify twice or get close, you know, if you're if you're close, launch, you know, that next two or three, four out, and then you qualify, you're probably ready. You know, if again, like I said earlier, if you're you know in the 50s and below for three years and then you qualify you may want to step back. I know how, I know it's so hard to qualify. That's, that's the, that's the problem right there is you may be that third or fourth out for another five years, if you don't take advantage of that opportunity. So I, I get both sides of it, but I do like to see an angler have some consistency over several years to, to really feel good that they're, they're ready.
0: One angler that uh, I'm pretty sure is ready, and we're all wondering what he's going to do. And you mentioned him, Mike Iconelli. What are what? When will we find out? I mean, uh, I mean, rather than watching every one of his reveal specials that he has <laughs> leading up to the actual reveal, um, I think he's going to have a reveal special to reveal the date of the reveal special. Uh, what date does Mike Iconelli do? When will we know for sure
1: whether Iconelli has come back to the Elite Series or not? so no november 9th all the all the qualifiers from um, the elites as well as the opens have to get their $5000 deposit in so um, you know in theory we should know november 10th i guess uh, i guess he could wait till maybe he'll do some kind of like 12 or 11 59 a.m. you know he'll go to the uh, mailbox with a with a check in an envelope with bass and and drop it in i don't i don't know i don't know. Or maybe he'll do like wear a hat and uh, you know something. Now I wouldn't be surprised. I mean, give it. You know, Mike Mike's fantastic. I mean, yeah. he is a marketing genius. And 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 the day he qualified through the Northern Opens, I said, well, this is going to be a lot of opportunity for Mike Eikenella to to take advantage of this qualification. And you know, I certainly hope that he uh, he does come back. I, I know he's got a lot of irons in the fire, and he's very successful at whatever he does, he doesn't necessarily needed to do this, but I do know um, that he is a ultra competitive and um, that may be the driving force that gets him to come back. I, I hope he does, but I wouldn't blame him if he didn't. It's a grind and he's got a, you know, he's got a family at home and, you know, Bagus is getting more involved in tournament fishing. I know he wants to be be around and probably see some of that. So whatever he ends up doing all the best for Mike, but I, I'd love to see him you know, back on, you know, talking to you on the elite stage, I would. What does your gut tell you? You think he's coming back? I think um, if I had a place to bet, if you forced me. Right now. And I'm not a Is betting right. guy. I just spent a, I just spent a week, a block away from a casino in Oklahoma. I didn't even go over there. I'm just not a betting. I can't remember the right. last time I placed a bet. But if you forced me to put down a bet, I would bet that he comes back. We'll have to see. We'll have to see. Okay, no inside uh, information. I just know how competitive he is.
0: Yeah, yeah, and I'm right there with you. Like, there's part of me that could totally see him coming back. Then there's another part of me that's like, if his show's successful, yeah, and his kids I, are at the worst age to leave. Like yeah, every yeah. dad will tell you, like it would have been a lot easier to leave him the you know the last five years than it would
1: be right, right. now. Now's when they cry no, no, when you leave. Those are the X factors that that probably you know in Mike's mind he's a competitor so i know he wants to probably do it but you know he has to he has to look at the bigger picture he's got a lot going on and i think you know if his show is picked back up and things like that will will be big big you know influences in in his decision
0: with the uh qualifying we've talked about the qualifying for for the elite series and and the new schedule is out now for next year so we know what we're looking ahead of for next year do you Foresee any changes in qualifying? You know, so I we do did, hear a, a lot of anglers that, that throw out that it should be all nine. Some people would say, you know, it should be. Do you yeah. think any
1: of that'll ever change? I think, I think right now we're really kind of um, diving down on it, and, and it's pretty much there. But I, I don't think you'll see a lot of changes from from 2021, other than one thing, and and it, and it probably needed to be done um, before. Um, But I believe it will be done for 2022. And we have, you know, double qualification. Uh, For example, Parasnik ended up double Uh qualifying through the overall in the centrals. And we moved another spot um, down down the centrals list. And we had committed to that. And we actually did that in 2020 as well. So we were consistent with 2020 and 2021. Uh, But now looking back at it, listening to some feedback from some of the anglers and, and really agreeing, uh agreeing with them um i think the double qualifiers will now the list the, the extra spot will come from the overall list versus okay the, does that does that make sense
0: yeah i'd say so i mean uh, to me it makes more sense because the they fish nine you know what i mean you've got right. a better test st- right. study to go f- if you're right. successful in three versus nine um Correct. but but i mean all
1: those decisions uh, I, I'm lucky. Well, it's hard. It's, you balance I just it walk away and let smart people like you decide. <laughs> well, well, you got to balance it. I mean, you can argue it a lot of ways. I certainly from a, from a readiness and, in, in uh, financial, um, you know, output, uh, yeah, certainly the overall, um, but, you know, a lot of, op, a lot of anglers, uh, especially if they're fishing other tournament trails that want to come fish bass elites, they have, you no. Know, their schedules are so tight. It's awful hard for them to fish all nine. So, we've talked about maybe adjusting some of the um, some of the numbers and things like that. You know, it's working pretty well um, as far as the field sizes and things like that. But I do believe we've we've done the right thing with changing the double qualification system and, and moving to the overall versus the individual division.
0: One thing I don't think people talk about enough and it amazes me when you look at what, 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 um, hackney and christy did last year prosnick this year you know any of these anglers ike and nelly that literally you know just come back in him with one i mean prosnick didn't do it the first year It took him two years but mm-hmm. he came close
1: to doing it the first year yeah and, and uh, don't forget last year he didn't fish the first event too so he, oh, he was that close. Right. Without yeah he did not fish uh it was kasimi chain uh in, in 2019 20, no, 2020. 2020. Uh, he did not. Yeah, sorry. <laughs> um, <laughs> it all
0: runs together. Yeah. I get it.
1: <laughs> yeah. um In 2020, he didn't fish that first event. So he almost did it on seven events. Wow. Yeah. Wow. Yeah. It, it, so, but to your point, I know where you're going, Dave, and, and I agree 100%. Because I don't, I think anyone who thinks if they see uh kind of a high tour, tour pro that's maybe fishing a different league that wants to come back in and they, they see him, you know, sign up for the opens and to say that, oh, he's going to be back. That's an, I mean, the fact that these guys did it is a, it shows how good they, they were or are. And B it shows that they really, you know, avoided any kind of a major hiccup, like a a breakdown or a complete disaster tournament. I mean, yes, you control your own fate to an extent in this sport, but not really. I mean, we all, you know, they're all getting into a boat powered by yep. an outboard motor. Um, we all know it's part of tournament fishing. If you've been around it, those things can go bad. Things can yep. bad things can happen. No matter if you have the best equipment, the newest equipment. Um, uh, you know, I've seen um, boats first term of the year blow a powerhead. You know, I mean, they've never been run before. They're brand mm-hmm. new. You know, it, it just happens. It's it's kind of out of the angler's control to some extent. Although I have noticed that these guys, they understand that they got to take care of their equipment, how they run and tournament days. I mean, I think sometimes some of these guys that don't really have full understanding, they go out there, you know, five foot waves and try to run 75 miles an hour. These guys, they understand if I can't get there and get back in one piece, it doesn't matter how fast I get there, right? So they'll they'll take care and you you're you spent a lot of time up on the Great lakes and and some of the best you know uh I'm sure you know Joe Baylog. I a mean, yeah that guy he can go out in 10 foot waves and he'll go out and he'll come back and and if you watch him run he's not running 70 miles an hour he just knows exactly the right speed to protect his equipment take care of it avoid those mechanical issues that, you know so you can do some of that but some of it just happens it's just unavoidable it's just it's just mechanical failure yeah and they, and they avoid you got to avoid that you really do you got to avoid that you cannot have you know one of those sub hunt you can't really have those triple digit finishes you know certainly if you're fishing one division you can't if you're fishing the full feet the full nine maybe you could have one two it's a disaster you have two 100 sub 100s you're, you're done probably
0: well when you hear somebody like greg hackney somebody who's accomplished much as he has and says this is the hardest thing I've ever accomplished in the sport. You know, I laid it on the line. Like, You know what I mean? And to him, you know, failure wasn't even an option. To hear him say that is pretty amazing. But speaking of amazing, you have some records, Chris. I mean, do you hold the record for the most ties? Don't talk about that. We don't
1: talk about that. Ever. You're not allowed to talk about that. <laughs> <laughs> season's over. I guess you I guess can because the season's over. We have a rule. Um, we never talk about that on site at a tournament. Uh, I have had four, I actually had two in one, in one year. Um, uh, most of them involved with elite angler too, which is, uh, you know, uh, elite angler at the time anyway. Um, so yeah, it's, it, it's, it is kind of, a uh, <laughs> I don't know if it's, you know, good or bad or, or what, but, uh, unfortunately all my ties have happened um either in the fall or in or in the you know early part of the season yeah, uh, yeah we had one at toho a few a few a super bowl sunday actually uh we had to have a fish off so i've never been able to uh i've never been able to do the like okay let's go back out yeah and uh first fish because it's dark a lot of times or, yeah. or cl- too close to dark to to go back out so i've always had a roll into sunday so you, you know you call the airline you call the hotel you you and uh, usually we'll, every time we've, uh, we've gotten uh, what's called our backup scales. It's a little, you know, more like a yeah. club type scales that you, you know, probably a lot of the bass clubs uh, around the country use those uh, out of the trailer. You send the crew, myself and Danette, who I think has been with me for every tie. Um, so, so she needs to get some of this too. So it's the, of everybody us, blames yeah, you,
0: but it's, it's one of us.
1: We got to wait and see. When one of us isn't there, then we'll finally know who the who the real culprit is. But yeah, um, they're they're they're, you know, you're always looking forward to putting an end to the tournament, and getting home and all that. So from that aspect, it's kind of like, oh no, tie, you know, and that's kind of why we don't talk about it. you got to do all these changing that I mentioned earlier. Um, but there is kind of a cool aspect of it to think that anglers fish three days you know, five fish a day and, and you know, and, and then it comes down to a tie. It's just like, it's, it just goes to show how incredibly um close, you know, how, how one little call here or there, you know, can make, make a difference. So it's cool. You know, it's got its good and bads, I guess. Do you, do you think Trip Weldon is
0: secretly jealous of all your ties? He's a hundred
1: percent jealous because he talks about it all the time. <laughs> I, you know, I was really hoping, you know, as, as Trip was kind of, Winding down his wonderful <laughs> career, and 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 really, I mean, he's been such a great mentor and a great friend to me. I, I mean, I, I really pleaded that he would get a tie before his last fish was weighed. Even, even the classic, I was like, man, how great would that be? You know, he was. He was uh, the ceremonial waymaster, I guess, yeah. or whatever you want to call it, uh, at at uh, at that cl- at the Classic at Fort Worth. And I thought, man, wouldn't it be great if we could have a tie and send Trip out you know, at the Classic with a tie? I mean, all, but it didn't happen. I'm sure Hank Jerry's fine with that. <laughs> yeah, I'm
0: sure Hank's fine
1: with that. And
0: you know what? I will say, and I don't think I've ever talked about this, but one of the coolest things in my career was watching Trip be the honorary waymaster at that event. Just because, and I never thought about it before I watched it. You just think oh trip's gonna come back oh that's cool well, trip will be back on stage but for the first time in my career i got to see trip without the stress of like this guy's gonna protest against this guy yeah. or are all the yeah. bolts back or all the... i mean he was just enjoying himself and and it was all about you know the anglers and and him and having a good time and and really it was cool really cool to see no, 100
1: percent. Of course, I at the classics, I'm I'm backstage, you know, so I don't get to see it other than through a little monitor. But I, but I was able to almost, it was almost cooler to experience the 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 sound aspect of it because, I mean, the cheers he got and the support he got from the fans. I mean, sometimes you know, tournament directors in general are kind of like. The evil, you know, you know what I mean. Like everybody thinks they're the kind of not the bad guy. That's maybe not, but you know what I mean. Like yeah, uh, yeah, the The sheriff. Yeah, the sheriff. Exactly. So you know, you you sometimes when you walk in a room, you know, people start to chatter a little bit. You don't know if they're talking good or bad about you. um, you know, everybody's everybody's got an opinion on every everything you do, from weather delays to, to rulings on on protests and things like that. But you're right. Trip was able to kind of just throw all that aside and just enjoy the moment. And what was really cool is the fans reacted yeah. as they should and showed the appreciation for all the years that that he put in on the stage. And it with that, I mean, it's a stressful job. I mean, you you know, Dave. I mean, you've been around and and, and you've seen Trip enough to know. I mean you don't take decisions lightly and, and, you know, it's stressful when weather, you know, whether it be severe weather or fog, you know, and you got a hundred ish anglers, in some case, 400 anglers, yeah. you know, and they all have an opinion about what you're doing and how you could do it better and, and all that. But, uh, it, you know, you just try to do the best job you can trip always did. I mean, again, he was such a great mentor. For me to have um and all all of us in the tournament department john stewart hank lisa all, all of us to have that 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 type of role model to to follow and 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 kind of uh, you know take their lead uh was great um so i i was glad to see him get uh, get that and i'm sure i'm sure i mean trip People probably know, but maybe don't. He's a huge fan of the sport too. Oh so yeah. he'll be around. You will see Trip Well at, at tournaments. I almost guarantee it, and and he'll be able to enjoy it. And, and he'll probably, uh, you know, tell us how we can do something maybe a little better, <laughs> which is fine. But uh, yeah, yeah, no, it's uh, he he will be around. I mean, he's a he's a huge fan, and and uh, a lot of people know, but maybe not all people watching this uh, podcast is. Tripp is a heck of an angler tournament, yeah. too. I mean, he is renowned around uh, Alabama, certainly, and uh, he actually finished uh, second in an old invitational uh, back in the day on, on Lake Martin, and I always give old Pete Gluzik a, a hard Pete. time because Pete because Pete beat him, and, uh, you know, but, yeah, no, Pete's a great guy. But, yeah, yeah, I mean, uh, trip has uh, got a, a great tournament fishing history as well.
0: Yeah. Things might've went better for Ike and Ellie in the elite series. If Pete
1: didn't beat Trip Weldon in that <laughs> invitational back. You know, in it's the funny. Day. <laughs> my my first classic, my first classic, just kind of, I don't want to bore you with too much, but, uh, my first classic was Charlotte, North Carolina or Taquan, And I was out at the lake at the time, helping load up the boats and, and get them ready to head to Charlotte. I forget the name of the arena at the time we were out, We were on Lake Wiley and, uh, I'm sitting there and, and Gene Gillen and conservation it was summer tournament. So they were putting ice in the, uh, we had an anglers will pull up next to this ice box. And conservation directors put ice and I'm just sitting there kind of watching and helping. And it's my first classic. I'm in awe and, and I get a call and um, I think it was Trip, And he said, somebody just reported that Mike's fishing in an off limits area. And I'm like, what? And, yeah, the restaurant. And I literally turn around and look. And Mike's fishing 100 feet behind me at the, (laughs) I forget the name of the restaurant there, which we had clearly told everyone was off limits because it's kind of a big release area and all all that stuff. So we had to disqualify. So my first classic, I had a part in disqualifying like an (laughs) Ellie. So I guess that's, (laughs) but Mike and I get along great now. Yeah, well, see how this whole qualifying
0: for the class or qualifying for the elites works. So, but I can, do you think he did that on purpose? There's always
1: been that you well, saw his reaction when so, you went to DQ. him. Yeah. So I will say the restaurant, it was, it was a weekend. I, I believe Um. maybe it could have been the Friday, but I think it was the weekend because the, the, the um the restaurant was super crowded. There was yeah. a lot of people out there watching Mike and cheering him on and um, am I going to say he did it on purpose? I don't know. Mike knows that, but he was taking advantage of having a nice little <laughs> made, you know, made crowd right there at the at the restaurant, for sure. Whether he began, whether he's just, um, didn't realize or, or what, but, uh, yeah, that, that was kind of funny.
0: He is a master marketer. We'll, we'll <laughs> never know. I'll ask him next time I have him on here. Last question. What, what kind of critters did you trap back in the
1: day? So my number one was squirrels. I did um, almost a thousand squirrels in one year. Um, and then uh, second were, was raccoons. Raccoons were really big. I did 500 and something raccoons in one year. Wow. So I hated bats. That's, I was not a big fan of, of getting bats. I just, why? Uh, I, I don't know. They just, they sketched out. <laughs> I don't know. Yeah. You get in an attic and there's, couple hundred you know it's low low ceiling crawl space attic mean there's a couple hundred bats up there i just did not like that <laughs> i've i've always
0: heard that and you tell me if this is right or wrong I've always heard that beavers are the worst to trap because they don't try to run. They'll always try to attack you because they know they can't outrun you. Is that true? Or is that just something
1: Canadians make up? Well, you know, I didn't really do a lot of live. I did a lot of trapping of beavers, but uh, not a lot of live trapping of beavers. So they weren't attacking me. No, yeah, yeah, you
0: (laughs) took care of that issue.
1: Yes. That was not a problem.
0: (laughs) What is more rabbit, an angry tournament angler or an angry <laughs> or beaver? Angry beaver? <laughs>
1: isn't, that a, isn't that a TV show or something? should angry be. <laughs> I think it is. Should have been the name of this podcast. Even for the Canadian <laughs> to bring in a beaver question. Jeez.
0: You've been listening to the Angry Beaver, and I thank you very much, Chris Bowes. You do an awesome job. And uh, the reason that those calls are so tough for people like yourself and Trip and all the tournament directors to make is because you guys care as much as you do. You're a great team. Yeah, we we
1: we do. They they do. They they do a great job. We love we love the, the bass anglers, and and I appreciate you, Dave, and giving me this opportunity.
0: All right, well, we'll see you soon. But it, it, he's going into hibernation now, like the Beavers. <laughs> so open season's done until when, – when do they got to have their entries in by for the Open? Uh, November 9th. No, everything's oh, November. The the, 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 the opens. Oh, no. the Open's. Uh, When does that – Start November 9th. Everything's November 9th. Yeah. All right, yeah. November 9th's a big week. Yeah, okay. the whole
1: schedule. Go to Bassmaster.com slash opens. And uh, the schedule, the registration schedule, I'm actually putting up payout is going to be the same as 2021 so there's really no change there i'm putting the payout uh some information the fact sheet which the only change is really what i talked to you about as far as those qualifications just uh you know making that slight change where duplications from the overall so there'll be more info coming up in the next coming few days
0: very cool you're always working to make the sport better thank you chris
1: Uh, thanks dave take care
0: where else do you find out stuff like chris Bose was once a trapper That's right. Most likely nowhere else other than this podcast. But we appreciate you listening week after week and I'll see you next time.
1: Thanks for watching. Please like, comment, and subscribe. Because Bob Cobb of the Bassmaster told you to. You hear?